Fake Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. So I was doing a bit of this weekend and I know you've told me that that's dangerous and I should not do that anymore, but I couldn't help myself. I've been reading up on the and the Second Amendment crowd <laughs> the, and I mean the not defenders of our Second Amendment, the NRA. Well, regardless of who, what, where, when, why, or how they lobby, yeah. they do keep a pretty close eye on guns and gun statistics, and more importantly, trying to push guns. And I found this statistic for 2022. This is a stat for this year so okay. far which we're only a mm -hmm. so just in this year alone these second amendment folks have spent 3.5 billion dollars don't you know you can just print them now that probably makes you feel a certain type of way if you are for guns it makes you feel a very different type of way if you're very much against guns which a lot of people in my circle are I think at this point <clears throat> you just gotta get over it. isn't it seven there's like 17 guns per person like America owns 17 guns per person in the world and so it's like some crazy, like the civilian population. I know the civilian population owns considerably more guns than all militaries combined. So now, what if I told you that that stat was made up? But that, that that's okay. <laughs> well, it's not entirely made up. There has been. $3.5 spent on guns in this year alone. However, it wasn't right-wing Second Amendment folks in the United States. It was the United States government that on guns sent to Ukraine. Okay. That makes me feel another kind of way. Not that I I'm against weapons. I just don't like, I got to buy my own, you know? And if I want to donate to weapons to people in Ukraine, I would rather do it. The problem is, is when our government weapons to Ukraine, it's just donated to the Ukrainian government. And they just put, back in these places where they just get blown up. They don't even get used. They they don't 
care if it gets blown up because they didn't pay for it. It's not that big of a deal to them. Sacrifice, you know, million dollar weapon for whatever they want to sacrifice it for because it's not a million dollar weapon for them. Well, I mainly think it's worth noting how those different statistics, one being accurate and one not, make us feel very different ways based on what we're predisposed to think. Because so, you, you're right, you're right, and and I probably feel different than the people in your circles about both those things because I notice that the circles all have Ukrainian flags beside their name and their little Twitter handles and whatnot. I also just don't care how they feel about it. Just it doesn't matter because there's one that's forcing to pay for something that they may not want to pay for by threat of violence. And then the, the other way is like people voluntarily paying for things that they can defend themselves with against violence. Those are two different things. I, I, I agree. And I think there's obviously a very clear level of hypocrisy here want to concern themselves with the rights and abilities of people here at home and not so much for the flags that they uh, because that's the cause du jour. But if we go to the other side, like if we go to those Second Amendment typical sort of right-wing stereotype, yeah, they are a sort of different kind of hypocrite, right? Mm -hmm. In that... Very much so. They are supposed to be very much for this push for weapons. And you would assume that that push is not for the weapons themselves, it's for the freedom that that represents. Their ability mm -hmm. to carry that and the freedom to have and own. But this highlights that not only do we not have those freedoms because those are being continually chipped away but in fact we are for folks across the world and further paying for their right to have them yeah not necessarily for their right yes we are yeah we're giving their government and the means to arm them or not or just whatever i think it's it's more about selling the weapons uh buying them for from the people who paid money to their not so it really doesn't matter i guess are we talking about the people who think it's right or the politicians are actually doing it two different things for everybody who thinks it's okay, ukraine weapons via government remember that same government is killing children in yemen our government with your tax money we're killing poor people in somalia in the 
to defend warlords. In particular, at the moment, a warlord that is known for people alive who he doesn't like or thinks might whatever. Okay? So a joke, man. Uh to own a weapon of your own, whether you like guns or dislike guns, the fact that your neighbor might like guns and also like freedom. You can like freedom too. And just not like guns, but you you need to be on the of the freedom to own weapons because it can turn really quickly into some tyrant skinning people for fun. The power. Unfortunately, a lot of our listeners are too young to know about Pol Pot, things like that. And this is these are things that happened recently. Me being a forty-year-old man, uh, that scare the shit out of me because I see the very similar similarities between what happened there and what the United States government is using against us and this, that, and the other. Because the dynamic's different in the United States than it was in 2019 or early. 2018, we lived in a country where we had made some mistakes we had done some really racist shit, like lock up people because we provoked Japan into a war and let them bomb Pearl Harbor to get the public on the side of going to war. And people were scared. And, you know, that scared turns into anger because nobody likes to let people know they're scared they want to act tough and be like oh i'm not scared i'm angry you know so to appease them they what locked japanese people up in concentration camp i'm pretty sure it wasn't just japanese people i think it was just anybody looked japanese to a redneck which was in person you know what i mean uh it wasn't it wasn't a, a good time in America. Um, of course, we had slavery. Uh, just like anywhere else in the world has had slavery. But all these things, like locking Asians up, slavery, without a government law, it couldn't have been done. It wouldn't have been economically feasible. There wouldn't have been no way to enforce it that was worth it to the person who was perpetrating that against the other person. <clears throat> so government is the, is the tool used for this evil. Um, and now we have a government that has locked people everywhere and said, you can't go out. You have to take this fluid into your arm to be allowed to, do this or do that. You have to put this over your face 
at this time and take it off at this time and things that don't make any fucking sense. They're just there to make you do what is told and get you to to know who's going to do it and who won't people to say, oh, the masses are going to follow these dumb directions so we can take it further or, oh, we've reached this point. We can only take it this far right now. We need to brainwash them more. Done. The dynamic, the relationship between the American people and the government is different now. You can't go back from being locked in your home. It's not the same anymore. We live in a country that is willing to lock us in our homes to prove a point. A point they know is wrong. All the evidence is saying it's wrong. They're doing the wrong They're willing to do that to you and me, to everybody else. They're willing to let uh, our kids get depressed, kill themselves, drug addiction, all the bad things that are coming. They were willing to do that because they know it was going to happen. Not Maybe not the, the little dumb politician, the congressman, whatever. But the people at the top knew, people really pulling the strings, knew this was going to be an economic downturn. And they were saying, oh, I know people are going to starve. I know it's going to hurt everybody. But when people are desperate for money, we can take more power from them. So we'll do this, see how far we can take it. And then when the results of it come, well, people will be looking with their hands out, needing it, and we'll be able to take more. This is a game that's different now. This is a game where the government has been willing to starve our children, put millions of people into poverty, not just but all over the world. This is this is not the same anymore. I think that point that you're trying to make around the global piece is really important because this starts right the hoorah let's just ignore the fact that they're bombing yemen somalia whatever is this idea that we're installing freedom as if it's some sort of software package we can just download into these countries but to the point that we made earlier about either those countries or Ukraine now comfortable being less free at home than these places where we've made this stamp. We've been so obsessed with being more free countries all the while letting that very freedom slip away. Yeah, they can't they can't coexist. You can't be an empire and a free nation. It can't happen. There's no way. Because there's no way that you could get a free people to pay for that. I mean, why would a person go, I love my family. I love my my kids. But five months of the year, I'm going to go away from you all day. And work for nothing. 
And then the other seven months, I'll bring a little bread and butter back to you. That's not even taking away into consideration inflationary tax. Yeah. Who don't listen to us regularly? He's talking about the tax that we pay. It's not uh, talking about people in military service who do tours of wherever. No, it's no, just that's everybody. What... Unless you can find one of those wonderful jobs that pays you under the table that I love to support, by the way. If I can pay anybody under the table, come, come do yard work. Come, You know what I mean? Like anything you... I. I'm going to pay, if you want it under the table with no taxes, I'll even pay you the percentage that was going to be taxed. I'm going to pay a tax as long as I know it's not going to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cash rules everything around me. I'll pay you in silver. Okay. <laughs> Apparently I can do that now. <laughs> Bitcoin, whatever, all that great stuff. Um, my mind just, you. my mind just got. I, I'm finally reading uh, Rothbard. <laughs> so like, I just went into like what are his rants in my mind in that book about that. And uh, wow, that's late. I've done man economy already. I've done. The history of the bank banking in the United States by Murray Rothbard, which is a textbook, <laughs> but I I never read for a new. Uh, I did the textbook and the study guide, both. I I completely slipped my mind. I was, I guess I read for sure. I've already read that, you know. And then I heard like a little, somebody read like a clip from it. And I was like, I've never read that. What was that from? Rewind from For New Liberty. Fuck, man. Apparently that's like the first book you should read by him. So clearly it's driving you nuts. What? <laughs> but for those who are listening and haven't gone down the Rothbard path. Oh, what's shit. the, what's the TL for Rothbard and are they right in what they say? And that that's the first one you should read. I disagree. I think you should read the one that you read first. Uh, anatomy of the state, but I don't think that's for everybody. <clears throat> so if you come from the right or from maybe on the left, uh, early nineties, free speech time, like when Donahue had, uh, Gigi Allen on like that time, uh, anatomy of the state is the first thing you should read. Because then you'll just go past all the other. Because I think people going down the liberty path sometimes get hung up in the how minarchist they are. 
and then it, when they didn't realize there's something beyond that where you just don't have to be wrong at all be anarchist and be right all the time you're basically just saying which D Snyder are you <laughs> because there's the D who went before Congress talking about free speech in art and profanity laws and parental advisories. Right. And then there's the D Snyder who is pro lockdown and has gone crazy over COVID. I'm not so, that one. <laughs> so if you're the old D anatomy of the state. Yeah. If you're the new D Snyder, the modern one. I don't think you should read anything by Rothbard. I think you're lost. Yeah, maybe start with Dr. Seuss. Yeah. I mean, at that point, whatever. Uh, it's like uh, Howard Stern. What the fuck is that guy? Talk about not ballsy or edgy or even halfway entertaining are you listening Howard I know you're a listener <laughs> I don't what mean a, this as an insult what a fucking loser man I, I don't mean this as an insult to me but or to him to either okay right. I didn't know he was still on you know I wouldn't have either if people didn't bring up clips of him on his show going what the fuck happened to Howard and listen to any of his shows I have but not in a long long time I haven't but I have heard a lot of through segments and whatnot that people put up and it's always like Wow, this guy's not funny anymore. It is not even just liberty. Just like Howard Stern isn't edgy. Like he just all he talks about is how scared of COVID he is and how much he wants to do exactly what he's told to do. I will say that that kind of thing makes me more sad than angry because I don't think he's trying to dismantle our freedom. I haven't heard him in a long time, so I'm not familiar with what he's all about. But I am familiar with a lot of people who are very scared. And they might be scared of nothing, but perception is reality. And when people are afraid, they will do crazy things and yeah. they will give up. That's their how, entire way of life. That's how the Jews got locked up in the the camp. Scared. It's it's you you create a panic, and you you create a situation where people will do that. You people who in this situation did not want to get the jab into the 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 
twos that should be gassed. And then you're getting what you thought were normal saying, you know, put them on the front line, you know, or like draft only unvaccinated right after they kicked all the unvaccinated out of the military. You know, it's just whatever. It doesn't have to make sense because they're scared. And that's not okay. That's why we have to have a culture where we're not okay with telling other people what to do. Because these mass hysteria can go a place where we are gassing Jews as a as a society if we don't have the ability to watch others handle it better than us and learn from that. That's why we work good as a social as a social being. When we're making a mistake, we can look to other people who are doing it better than us, doing better than us, and adjust what we're doing so we don't go down the wrong path. But if people are telling us do this, do this, do this, and we're already predispositioned to be those people who are scared of, say, a virus or whatever. In that panic, we're going to start looking to those authority figures we were brainwashed to do so in the public schools, and we're going to go down that dark path. Because we're not allowed to see another way. That's why we have to change the minds of people, to stop looking to some authority figure who's just been told to you that he's your authority is really making him so. And we need to start looking to our fellow man, the people in our neighborhoods. I mean, if you look at Twitter, if you look at the news today, the, the, the corporate media, you would think that black people and white people are at war. At, I live in a middle-class, nice neighborhood, Georgia. And almost, yeah, just down the one side of my street, I pretty, there's more black families on the in my little area here on the street than white families. And I, we have no beef. Everybody, we walk our dogs, we pick up the poop so it doesn't stay in our neighbor's yard. We're civil. We like each other. We wave. We we laugh. We throw the ball back to the kids in the other yard. What? There's no tension there. But that's not how it's supposed to be if you look at the news. Well, I would take that even one step further and say, look at people who literally are at war. You see this with Ukraine and Russia. There's the 
stand with the people of Ukraine. But I don't even think this is a controversial thing to say, but I stand with the people of Russia. There are people there who have no desire to be a part of this war. In the same way, we were here on 9-12, wanting no part of this retaliation mm -hmm. against what was essentially blowback anyway. Mm -hmm. I stand with Ukraine. I stand with, I stand with Yemen. I stand with Somalia. Mm -hmm. I stand with the U.S. I stand with the people who have no desire to be at war with one another. I stand with Saudi Arabia. Arabia. I just government that's killing people. You know what I mean? But the people there. I don't stand with my own government. <laughs> you know, like I don't stand with yours either. But I yours. When I practice shooting my completely legal registered weapon at the shooting range, I'm thinking, you know, I need this because if something happens, a lot of my neighbors aren't the kind of people that have weapons, but somebody's got to, right? Somebody's got to protect people around. That's my thoughts, right? My family comes first. My neighbors come after that, shortly after that. Right. So, you know, our buying weapons and then giving them what we gave helicopters, tanks, fully automatic, tons of fully automatic weapons to the Taliban just what a year ago. And then we pass a law saying, you know, making it harder for. U.S. citizens to build their guns? At the that didn't sit right with me, considering that same U.S. citizen had to pay for the guns that you gave to the Taliban. Do, I mean, do you, do you see it? You Obviously, you see it. But there's a lot of people out there that don't see it. Or just don't put the two things together. Like they're completely separate issues to them. I think it's a pretty simple fact. And if you want to acknowledge the pattern, it's as easy as saying what they will do over there, they will do over here. So when they are happy to arm the Taliban, arm the Ukraine arm these other militant groups and put them at war, it stands to reason that they would try and incite the same thing here. They've mm -hmm. shown that they're happy to have you at war with your neighbor. They've shown that. Mm -hmm. So for all of the people for years and years saw us going into Yemen, Somalia, bombing and killing children and saying hoorah I think is next mm -hmm. the automatic weapons that were given to the Taliban that was from us leaving and leaving all the weapons behind for them to procure they've got um, Blackhawks 
they've got Abrams, they've got Humvees, they've got what's that other took over for the Humvee? MRAPs. They've got 50 caliber, fully automatic uh, machine guns. They've got uh, AR-15s. They got uh, tons of it. Just hand it over. Just here you go. There's stockpiles of it. You and I paid for that with our tax money. And... And this was not, this would, I can say history starts here and that's what you heard, right? But then you go a little bit back, you go, oh, we're, we're in a war and, and it's gone bad. So this is actually the best case scenario at this moment to pull out, leave the weapons. Yes, it's bad, but leave them. It's stay in there beyond our allowed time and risking ramping up the war again. And then you can go back a little further and you say, well, we should probably weapons out. So if we can leave, but, but we didn't do that. Then you go further back. You see how all these bad decisions create the next bad outcome. But what happens in the news cycle is they start history where they want for it to show the narrative they're looking for. And maybe in this show on a brighter note, um, my wife was telling me a little annoying story with our kids that she had today. And I talked to children I would say probably a little bit more like an adult than I should uh, I've there's been things brought to their attention that were beyond their ability to process and maybe added a little anxiety to their life that they didn't need at the time but from this too and my oldest my youngest got bit today uh at this little daycare and the second time this week to let you know because it left a mark and you know what i mean uh my wife was explaining what happened to my oldest and she said your brother got bit fine uh, you used to get bit in daycare all the time. There's one kid that just bit everybody and he loved biting you. My oldest would always play with this kid who liked to bite. Well, he got bit over and over and over and over again. And finally, the school, because of a lot of violent incidences, I guess they can't have that on there. So they they booted the kid. My son got extremely worked up about this and was, well, what happened to the kid? Did his, did his parents, were they able to, they lost their job because they had to watch him. 
Like, that's not right. You can't do it. So he was going the, the initial. I got bit a lot. Therefore, somebody kicked him out of the school. That that type of mind that's like, oh, gun shot somebody, made guns illegal, problem solved. You know, he wasn't, his mind wasn't working like that. As a six-year-old, he was going, did his mom have to job? What about the dad? Were they still together? Did they? Did he have two parents? And was freaking out about this, asking my wife all these questions. And it was really because she was trying to get through her day. But she called me complaining about the situation, and I couldn't help but feel so much pride for the way my world was thinking not just one step beyond the initial reaction to a situation, but the next step beyond that and the next step beyond that. And maybe that's a lot of anxiety for a six-year-old, but that's the right way for somebody's mind to work. You shouldn't just react on the surface and that's it because you're responsible for the chain reaction that comes after well it's the reason why I would be glad to have you as a neighbor and the next generation should be glad to have him as a neighbor I would hope so he surprises me and he doesn't but I hope I hope more people do this. I think that our our news cycle and our social media just that um, looking for the thumbs up kind of thing that that reaction I think it takes something away from us where it is that we're looking for that surface we're looking to do something, have an initial reaction, and then, and then that's done. Forget it. You know, it doesn't matter about the next. Next thing I say doesn't even have that. I got my thumbs up there. Uh, and I hope to change that in the world somehow through this podcast, through something we do. I think we should uh, work to get our children to get our adults to to react to something and you're it's okay to have that initial reaction asshole stepped on my shoe and then you're mad right but you you also need to have that next thought well why did you step on my shoe that's kind of dark in here. There's black lights on. I have a black shoe. It blends in. Whatever, right? Um, I just see that going away from humanity, at least in the United States, and I think we should bring it back. That's all I'm saying. Well, look, if they kick that guy out 
for stepping on your shoe? How long until they kick you out for stepping on someone's shoe? That's true. Absolutely. And if you kick him out for stepping on your shoe, who's to say now he doesn't have his right is still in the club? He decides to drive home, runs into a family of four. <laughs>